0: Hey, everybody, I'm on vacation, but I'm sending you this classic episode from the vault with the NFL season almost here. I thought it'd be a good time to revisit my chat with Kyle Brandt, who's one of my favorite voices on the NFL. This episode originally ran in November of last year. And since then, Kyle has announced a new podcast with ESPN and Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. It's called Kyle Brandt's Basement. Subscribe, listen, support. We had such a blast catching up and had just an instant chemistry as folks who knew each other way back when in L.A. and have had our lives be sort of parallel since even before that. Enjoy my conversation with Kyle Brandt. Welcome to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain, a podcast about, well, whatever the hell I want actors and musicians, athletes, comedians, neuroscientists, wine experts. If I find somebody interesting, I'm bringing them to you. We'll talk about how they became who they are, how they found success, battled failures, and how they ended up here talking to me.
1: I'm Kyle Brandt and my dilemma is that I coach flag football, six and seven year olds, and I wanna play the best players all the time, damn it. I just wanna win, and yet the six year olds aren't as good, aren't as able, so I have a thing with my conscience where it's really bothering me when I don't play them, so I don't really know what to do, that's my dilemma.
0: Okay, I have to recuse myself on this one. I am way too competitive to answer this question. Like, unhealthily competitive. Like, why doesn't everyone care as much as I do about winning everything? Like darts at a bar or trivial pursuit, an egg toss, getting to the next red light faster. I have, uh, I have I have, a problem. And it's one I've been working on my whole life. I'm still working on it. Uh, so I needed to outsource this question to a coach, a lover of children, someone with patience, an expert on fair play, good sportsmanship, and all that stuff. So I went to the one, the only, the legend, Hall of Famer, soccer great, Julie Foudy.
2: Okay, party people. As much as we all, and I get it, all of society wants to be standing on top of that podium with that big gold medal around your neck, let's not forget the most important fact here. What do we all know? They're six years old. And you want to make that experience for six-year-olds enjoyable because the six-year-old who can't play and it bounces off her shin, or he can't play and it bounces off his shin, maybe the next Mia Ham Christian Pulisic at 16. So keep them in the game, make it fun, make it inclusive, bring donuts, not orange slices for your snack. That always helps. And make it joyful. Let's stop sucking the joy out of sports at a young age, please. They're six. You got this, coach. Play them all. Make it fun. Keep them in the game. Here we go. Well, I mean, I,
0: I knew that she was the one to call. She's so right, of course. Of course she's right. I know she's right. I've been trying to tell myself that my whole life. Still working on it. Thank you, Foudy. Don't forget to listen to Foudy's podcast, Laughter Permitted, by the way.
2: That's what she said.
0: Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. I hope you're finding ways to safely see the ones you love or maybe making new traditions with friends close by, staying home to be safe maybe just enjoying some quiet time tackling a project you've been putting off or otherwise just taking advantage of a few days of downtime. And if you're working straight through, then that means you're probably serving or healing or otherwise keeping the rest of us fed, happy and healthy. So of course we thank you and it doesn't go unnoticed. I'll be with my family and some of my husband's family in the burbs celebrating being able to get everyone back together again, vaccinated and healthy. I am so, so, so thankful for science this year. Um, Also thankful uh, for the opportunity to bring this podcast to you all. And I hope you're finding things to be thankful for like this podcast. Um, because it's a joy to learn from all my guests and to share them with you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for keeping this podcast rolling. Thank you for all the people that I meet and tell me that they love it or message me on social because it means a lot to me. And in honor of Thanksgiving, I will accept your thanks in the form of podcast rates and reviews. Yes, that's right. I am shilling for rates and reviews, even Thanksgiving week. Go to the podcast or iTunes app and scroll down to rate and review. Five stars, please. Leave me a dilemma. Leave me a guest suggestion. Tell me why you love the pod. Tell me what you want to hear more of or less of. Um, I love the feedback, so thank you so much. This week is a fun one. I I could have talked to Kyle Brandt for hours. He is uh, one of the hosts of the great show on NFL Network, Good Morning Football, co-host of the new show Frogger. He has a super fun podcast called the 10 Questions Podcast, and he can sometimes be seen on the NFL today on CBS in his previous lives. He's been an actor, a soap opera star, a real world cast member, an Ivy League footballer and thespian and a diehard sports fan growing up in the suburbs in Chicago in the Jordan years. So we take it way back to a lot of the ways that our lives have actually paralleled each other. Um, We also talked about his interview for the Manning cast, spending almost a decade working for Jim Rome, L.A. memories of uh, Les Deux, a.k.a. Ledoux. uh, And we try to figure out when and where we first met. Uh, This was a ton of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: That's what she said.
0: So a recent episode of this podcast featured me not really remembering that I had met Ari Chambers in person and seeming like that asshole who meets people multiple times before remembering like, you know, real big time. Uh, This is a whole different story. This is due to age. Uh, Kyle Brandt and I have known each other for like 20 years at this point, but I have no idea how we met. I can't remember. We have a lot of ties. We're from the same general suburban area. We both went to Ivy League schools. I was in Chicago, I believe, when he was filming Real World Chicago. Then we both lived in L.A. and were trying to do acting things, him more successfully than I. I at one point worked in Jim Rome's studio. He also worked for Jim Rome, same producers for both of the things that we worked on. And now we work in sports. And I can't for the life of me remember which of those things was the reason. Reason that we met. We're going to get to that in the podcast. But I am very excited to catch up with old friend who I don't remember how we met, Kyle Brandt, who is uh, blown up and literally had many lives. As I was uh, reminding myself of your path to good morning football and all the stuff you're doing now, I realized that you have done within five year chunks, like what would be the highlight, and pinnacle of anybody else's life. And then you've just moved on to something else. It, it's it's unbelievable, the, the soap operas and the and the reality shows and the sports. So let's go all the way back to, uh, you're a young pup in the Chicago Burbs. Was it always sports from the beginning, even before you started playing? Was the family into that into that lifestyle?
1: Yeah, I, I always say that, um, Sarah, that like I won the sports fan Powerball because two things. <laughs> all right, my, my little childhood, when I was six or seven years old, it was the 85 bears and I had Walter Payton pajamas and and the Super Bowl shuffle cassette. And it was just, it was heaven. And I went down to water tower place um, in downtown Chicago. And I waited in line three hours for like Dan Hampton to sign my bears calendar. So like that alone, the rest of your life, sports sucks, whatever you had that. (laughs) And then I was a, a, a teenager and I'm living in the North suburbs during the Jordan bowls. So like, it was just it was like you, you hear about these these assholes who like win the lottery and then oh my god, they won the lottery again and it's some <laughs> story on like, you know, some clickbait website about the person who wins the lottery twice. I won the lottery twice as a sports fan. Um, and my dad went to Notre Dame and I lived in Chicago. So we also had fighting Irish football when I was a kid and Jerome Bettis and Ricky waters. So it was a lot of sports from the beginning. And, um, I mean, it's like, how do you have a better hand than that? It's a great one.
0: Well, I I mean, I would say anyone born in new England anytime in the last like 20 years. Uh, but I appreciate your optimism (laughs) because here's the thing you and I are almost the same age, but my parents were not really into sports. So the 85 bears were a total loss to me. There's like one Uh, photo of me wearing bears gear uh that obviously, school like try to get everyone ginned up for it and my parents were like uh quick buy our t-shirt uh because they didn't give a shit and so i've spent my whole life saying how frustrating it is to hear about the 85 bears but mm-hmm. be too young to have ever appreciated or watched them but the bulls 100 with you on that couldn't have, I know couldn't have come it, at a better time
1: I, the best time ever The first three, a little break and it was weird and everything. And then the second three. But see, like I know how it is working in sports media and in like the Instagram world. The way that you reference that there's one picture of you, I guarantee there's been some point where you're like, uh, I need to find some pictures of me as a kid with the bear's uniform or the bear's hat. And I've done the same thing. And you go back and I have tons of them and they're just gold. It must have mm-hmm. been so annoying for you. You so didn't annoying. have anything?
0: No, but the good news is, is that about two months before the pandemic, my mom dropped off all these boxes and was like, okay, we've Love been it. storing them at the house in Michigan. Like decide if you want them or not, but it's not our problem anymore. And I'm going through it. <laughs> and a couple months later, they push up the last dance and they have me and Cassidy Hubberth host the pre and post. And I'm like, gold mine. I just got these boxes. I didn't put them away somewhere. I didn't do anything with them. They're still sitting there full of every magazine, article, newspaper, photo of me, yes. Michael Jordan's secret stuff, candy, framed photos of me and Jordan when I accosted him at like a gym. Like it's it was endless. So I had all the stuff for the Bulls. The Bears just wow. came too early. Came See, too early. Sarah,
1: you, you, never mind the sports fans that we liked or were from the same region. You know that we're roughly in the same age and from yeah. the same demo because- both right. of our moms are de boxing right now. I got <laughs> yes. the same drop off. I got, and my mom is so crazy and she's Chicago and I'm New York. She shipped this stuff and, and it must have cost her $5,000 to ship all this stuff because all these boxes showed up. They're all dented and they're like actually like macaroni necklaces that I made yeah, and all it. of the Daily Herald articles <laughs> and yep. all that stuff. But she dropped it off and I cracked some wine and I started going through this stuff. It was so fun.
0: Oh, it's so fun. So much stuff that you forget. And now you have like a, like a photo of everything you've ever done or a video because of our phones. But back in the day, those like Uh rare memories that pop up because of that. So you grew up, uh, you went to Stevenson, uh, which I have referenced on this podcast and and my radio show before, because Tamika Catchings was there uh, when I was playing basketball. And even though she beat the shit out of me every game, I did block her at the free throw line once and take it down for a layup. And I have told that story to her every single time I've interviewed her since, just as a reminder. Um, And they Hold
1: on, Tamika, we got to stop on this. Tamika was in my class. So like we were yeah. the same class and everything. What happened at the free throw line? Lay this out for me. Play by just, play. I want to hear this. Yes,
0: this is a very important game that we obviously lost because we were playing Tamiki Catchings and Stevenson. But I was having a great game. I blocked her shot at the free throw. Not she, she wasn't taking a free throw. <laughs> That's what just, I thought you meant. Like, did you get ejected
1: no, no, no. for that, Spain? You can't do that.
0: <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, she was taking a shot, free throw line adjacent-ish or free throw line-ish uh, <laughs> shot. And I, I blocked her shot and took it down for a layup. And it's the only redeeming story awesome. I have from all of my engagements with Stevenson <laughs> basketball. But you are a tremendous football player there. Do you still have the record for most rushing yards in school history?
1: I, this is where I'm supposed to say, yeah, I think so. But like, <laughs> all that, I know I do. I looked uh-huh. it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do the dumb, fake, modest. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah. In fact, wait, hold on. Stay right here. Don't, oh wait, it's it, we have no video, but I have my helmet. Like it's like ten feet from me with all the amazing. helmet stickers on it and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, the, if you want to, Uncle Rico, this thing. I was great
0: at high school. Yeah, that. you were. That's amazing. I do still hold the record for uh, most career blocked shots at Lake Forest High School in basketball. You do. So- I do. Yeah. I was a monster in the paint. Um, Okay. So you're a white guy who has the most rushing yards ever in a diverse high school. Um, You were recruited heavily, I would imagine. Uh, How did you decide that you wanted to end up at Princeton?
1: Long story short, um, you'll remember this. When I was getting recruited, the coolest thing, not only in Chicago, but in college football for like a hot minute, was Northwestern football. Because they went to two Rose Bowls, and it's yeah. Gary Barnett. Darnell
0: Autry, I watched Leaf Flicker, the only football game I went to in my life of any kind, NFL or college, until I was like twenty, was one Northwestern football game, and really Leaf Flicker play with Darnell
1: Autry. Oh my god! At like Dyke Stadium, they used to call it. Darnell Autry was my idol when I was in high <laughs> yeah. school, and so I wanted to be him. I wanted to go to Northwestern so bad, and I started to realize when you get towards you know a little bit further further to the um, recruitment process. You wouldn't get as many handwritten letters. You get the form letter with the handwritten signature. Then you get the form letter with the stamp signature. And I just like I didn't have the ability to be a Big Ten running back. That was my position. And then so in recruiting, it's interesting. And then you get knocked down and then it's like, well, you know, Toledo's looking at you or Miami of Ohio. Then you get the Mac, which is full yep. respect. And yep. I'm like, I would have covered kicks at the Mac for a few years. And then you get down to like. I don't know, College of DuPage County or whatever it is. And that just wasn't happening. <laughs> and then I got a couple letter letters from a couple of library schools. And um, like I visited Princeton and I just, the campus is the most gorgeous thing of all time. And like they were building a new stadium and that was it. It was that quick.
0: Yeah. Well, in the Ivies, because there's endowed positions for coaches where they can make a shit ton of money there because of the boosters Mm -hmm. and people who went there, you're still going to be able to get great coaching in theory. And there's opportunities. My buddy Kevin Booth was at Cornell at the same time as me, ended up winning a couple of rings with the Giants. So, you know, you could play Ivy League football. It's not back in the old days. Ed Marinero winning the Heisman for Cornell, and then going on to star in the show Sisters. Uh, but it, but, but uh, it's, it's it was still an opportunity to play Division One and 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 of course to get a great education. So when you got to Princeton, what did you want to do for a living? What did you think you wanted to grow up to be? All right. So
1: I had this like um, after school special like uh, identity crisis when I was a senior in high school, and I'm I'm being dead serious where I was. Um, I was like Emilio Estevez in The Breakfast Club. And I I even was like in those same high schools. For everybody listening, I went to one of the high schools that all the John Hughes movies were from. Like, I was basically from Shermer, Illinois. And it's, look, here's the thing, Sarah, you remember, I had... I had the letter jacket. I drove the Wrangler. I listened oh to the God, Pearl Jam. God, I would have I had, had the such center a on
0: you. Well, you're the you're the you're the ideal of every hot guy that was in that North Shore of Chicago area that's
1: Well, I think that was part of DMB the DMB on repeat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, lose
0: traveler with the windows yeah. and the doors off. <laughs> it
1: was all that stuff. Like I had like the 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 high school football logo on the back of the Jeep. My point is like yeah. it was so like I was just like such a cliche and I don't know like I actually, I think there's something earnest to it. Like I wanted to be something like more diverse and I was raised that way to be interested in different things. And so I, all of a sudden I'm like, I think I want to do the, the biggest, most different thing ever I can for football. I want to be in theater. And like in the mid nineties, that was considered, I guess, sort of socially radical because it was still really clicky and all the stereotypes were a lot stronger than they are now. So when I showed up to Princeton, like my, I, I went up to my football coach and was like, just so you know, like, I want to do some theater here. So if there's any conflicts, like, can you help me out with that? And he was unbelievably cool, like really cool about it. you know who was tough? I went to the theater director and I was like, look, I play football, so I might have some practices. And he was like, what? No, like you need to be here for wet tech rehearsal. It was really tricky, Mm -hmm. but I pulled it off. And like, I think still that serves me well to this day.
0: I, uh, I had the opposite where track is basically indoor outdoor. So you have to start when you get to campus and you're done when you leave campus. And so senior year was the one time that I was like, maybe I should not do indoor track so that I could focus on the theater, which is what I was going to maybe try to do after college. And it was, it was impossible. The scheduling was impossible. And I had the English teacher who was like, no, you can't take off any classes, not one to leave early for meets on the weekend. You'll just automatically, I had to like protest with the dean's office it was like she was like 105 years old she didn't think there should be sports at cornell she like literally said that i was like all right let's anyway okay so that's amazing though that you got there and they were flexible with with what you wanted to do yeah. what did what, what did your parents do for a living
1: uh so it's it's a good question my mom was an actress and uh my dad ran an advertising agency that he started like he is like started his own business so like lot of creativity going on. And my dad, like, um, this is the coolest thing as a kid is that my dad for a long time, he got his agency, got the Cracker Jack account. So his, his company's uh, job was to create and conceive the toys that were in Cracker Jack. So like the stupid, like magnifying glass or like the rubber popper thing that you push down and then pops up. Like that would be my dad sitting in the conference room thinking of that. And meanwhile, my mom was in Chicago downtown and she was uh, like a commercial actress, So she would be in the commercial for Burlington coat factory when the family goes there and the mom, that was my mom. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so it was so cool. Like I, I, I had two like creative, like sort of um, performer type parents in their own way. And uh, I don't know, neither of my sisters or my brother, like they do any of that stuff. But for me, it was like, I just had to have it.
0: I feel like your family could have been a John Hughes movie. That just sounds like <laughs> the ad exec dad, he comes home and the kid's the one who like comes up with the idea for the, for the best Cracker Jack toy ever. Yeah very big when he's playing with that. I don't get oh, it. Yeah. It's a it's a car and then it turns into, but what is the building do?
1: It's a, but it's a, it's, it's a bug? Wait, <laughs> it's wait, wait a bug it's, it a, doesn't a come from the vehicle? Josh Baskin.
0: <laughs> I don't get it, I don't get it. Okay, so you're at Princeton, you're doing theater. Where, did you feel, I mean, listen, you're a good looking dude, you're very charismatic, you're obviously smart, I'm sure you did fine, but was there any point where in either of those spaces you didn't feel like you were fully welcomed or that you were kind of halfway in?
1: Yeah, in the theater space because like I, I was I was a jock, you know I, I was just at that time, you know you're a college football players like all you do is lift weights in your time I'm really big physically and like I was a little stiff in my movements and like some of these people were really serious theater actors who went on to do the legitimate New York theater thing and like I I tried earnestly to jump into it, but you it's I was the betting favorite would be uh that the football idiots are sort of prejudiced against the theater types. I didn't feel that way at all. My football teammates even back then were just like intrigued, I think, and a little, almost a little jealous that like you do something else other than just (laughs) plan to beat Harvard. But, um, the theater people, like, I don't think they really took to me that much. Um, at least initially, um, it was a weird, like, I, I remember, um, We were doing this play called Beyond Therapy. And if you look back in the 70s, it started John Lithgow and Sigourney Weaver, like, back in New York. And that was the big play. And I got a cool part. And I had to go to tell the football coach in the middle of our spring game, like, coach, I need to leave in the middle of the game. And he was like, great. We'll get you some carries early. And, like, I respect it. I was like, God, you're a cool man, Roger. Roger Hughes, great guy. And he's like, this is what Princeton's about. You know, it's about different experiences. And then I remember I got there. And, like, the theater director was so mad that I was late (laughs) and like, you need to make a choice here. Like if we're trying Mm -hmm. to do a show and I was like, dude, like I just, I ran up campus, like carrying my pads. I got my, I'm off book. Like, can you yeah. just do
0: this thing? This is so, this is a movie uh, too, of course. This is also a movie where the jock, you know, is running with his pads to make it sweating. He's got the eye black on and then yeah. starts doing, you know, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, some Sarah, course, you some don't, don't know great. how
1: close you I remember actually getting in the theater bathroom and pushing the eye black off. Yeah. And that shit doesn't come off easily. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. And so I was trying to get it off. I want the movie about the 105-year-old uh, English professor Cornell who yeah. like, there should be no sports. Like, that's a I, take.
0: Yeah, that's a take as well. <laughs> Okay, so you're loving Princeton. At least you're figuring out how to do both of yeah. those things that you care about. Um, you get into writing. You you've, you end up being an English major, right? As yeah. opposed to theater, is yeah. was that intentional? You didn't want this, the drama major. You wanted a major. They just didn't the- offer it. I would have okay. done it.
1: I was all in. Like I really um, remember at the time. So when I was a freshman, um, Goodwill Hunting happened, and that to any sort of like wanna be intellectual sort of mm-hmm. IB type person was like. I can do that too. I can write the script with my best friend. And so like I had a real serious deal that I was going to be the Matt Damon thing. And I would have majored in theater, but they just, Princeton is so um, antiquated in its curriculum. Like they have like five majors they offer, at least when I was there. So English majors, because it was the closest thing.
0: Journalism was in the ag school at Cornell when I was there the agriculture school <laughs> so the requirements were like tons of math and science and i was like yeah no i'm just gonna take a couple journalism classes and be an english major where i could take music oh, yeah. and film and so acting great. and shit okay so how does the real world happen because i'm curious i and i i would imagine that maybe they are sort of looking for actor types because they need people who are going to be charismatic and comfortable on film but they can't just go out to schools and just go to theater departments can they did they
1: no, no. But in this, in the very, in the spring of my senior year, two very cool, two very high profile things happened on campus, totally by coincidence. One, uh, in the wake of him uh, shooting Gladiator, Russell Crowe comes to campus to shoot A Beautiful Mind with Ron Howard, wow. and they're shooting it right on campus. It's this where – we're looking out our windows and watching him and Paul Bettany and all these actors. And Russell Crowe was the biggest star in the world at the time because The Gladiator just happened. And they're right outside our windows as we're, like, drinking and, like, calling for them. So I got to be in that movie, and you can see me in it. I was an extra in it in the background. And then a week later – like, I don't know if it's a week later. It felt like a week later. Very quickly after, totally random coincidence, the production company that makes Real World and did from the first season in New York just decided to come to Princeton University to do an open call – And, um, they show up if they had not come to Princeton. I never would have like applied, never would have sent a video. If they had gone to Rutgers, I never would have applied or sent a video. They went like a hundred yards from where I slept every night, second semester senior with like nothing to do. Real world is the coolest show. I watched it for years Mm -hmm. as we all did in college. We all have our favorite season, our favorite moment. And my friends and I got drunk and nothing to do stumbled into an open call. I waited in line for maybe a half an hour. And this is interesting. So they, you have like 30 seconds with one person. And if you make an impression, then they like put you in this pile. Yeah. And I remember they sit down and totally random question. And this is 2001. Their question is, um, so how would you feel if a gay man gave you a compliment? That was just their question as I sit down. Huh? And I go, Well, yeah, you know, it happened twice on the way over here, and I liked it both times. And I made it just a dumb joke. And they're like, oh, that's funny. Put this guy in the good pile. That was just me at 22, like, just trying to be cocky or something. And then that all started, and then you get called back, and then we went down the road.
0: Wow. Um, It's funny. My uh, my friend John, who was on As the World Turns, I guess, when he was like – pre-college um he brought a film crew to cornell my senior year and they wanted to film around to see if maybe they wanted to do a reality show on campus Uh and they and the people from the production crew were like all right who's gonna like have the most to say and they were like spain yeah so they, they of course mic'd me up and we were supposed to just go out to like the bars and parties at night clearly was not interesting enough uh as a place (laughs) as a person as a vibe they never did it but it's funny like and then one of my good friends ended up being on road rules uh from he was a friend at the time i haven't talked to him forever i believe he ate a a milkshake made of bull testicles during that season (laughs) anyway the point is the the crossover continues uh and and then and then you end up at real world in chicago um wicker park which i didn't realize until i was researching for this because i live in wicker park now i was out in la when you were or maybe i was in chicago um, um, and then LA, but um, didn't realize that that's where you guys were were located. So when you look back now, cause there were so many seasons of this and now it feels so antiquated. I know it's still like that world is still alive, but the idea that millions of people would sit and watch this one thing is is, a t- is from a different time. Uh, what do you remember the most about it?
1: Well, listen, the easy answer is not the fun answer. The easy answer is 9-11. Like we were right in the middle of it. So we did we did four months, it's a four month shoot. And actually, on the actual middle day of the four months was nine eleven oh one, which is wow. awful. But um, here's what's funny. Oh, so I was Sarah. still
0: in college then when you were doing this. I wasn't back in Chicago yet. Yeah,
1: this I think was I'm a we, year we shot in, it. We shot it. Shit, it was it was twenty years ago. It yeah. was uh, summer of two thousand one. Yeah. This is what's funny about real world is that it's that the that's the cheesy slogan about see what happens. People stop being yeah. polite and start getting real. I cannot tell you how true that is. People are always like, "How was it? How was it? Four months, okay." For the first two months, it is so fun. It is just spring break for two months. Yeah. You're in this crazy Wonka house. There's other people. Some of them are kind of cute. You know, yeah. Some of them are really fun. Everybody loves drinking. You're so young. You're on TV. Holy shit. And then after like about two months, you're like, I think I want to go home. I, I don't really like these people. And they were picked <laughs> out of 30,000 people deliberately yeah. to clash with me. Like, And you no. had psychiatrists <laughs> do the casting. So I think I'm ready for the check. And they're like, no, no, motherfucker you got two more months yeah. now yeah. we get our good stuff. And then when it starts and now you hate real, each other. Yeah. Yes. And now we hate each other. And we just had the most harrowing day in U.S. history happen. And yeah. we were on TV for it. So like. And you don't want to be there. You want to be months, with your family. No, but yeah. You want to be like, can I get out of here? And they're like, you can. And you're like, yeah, but like I'm on the real world. I think I should see this out. Yeah. Um, the last two months, like I lost a bunch of weight, like from stress. And you become very hands on about what's on the camera and like what they're filming you doing. Two months. Party uh, second two months awful
0: torture yeah yeah um, you had a little like romance throughout um, mm-hmm. there was of course like you mentioned the dynamics of of the openly gay cast members and, yeah. and and all the other you know kind of elements that at the time were not controversial but like thought provoking and now it would be a lot harder to do you'd have to go like real far reaching into into yeah. extremes because people are so much more accepting and less homogenous than than we were back in the day um, now remind me is this the season where you worked at Castaways.
1: Castaways on North Avenue beach. Yeah. yeah. We didn't actually work at castaways. We were lifeguards. Like we had certified lifeguards <laughs> on North Avenue unsafe. beach.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that really
0: unsafe. Oh, yeah, That's totally. wild. Yeah, that was your job. Yeah,
1: if you know North Avenue beach at all, like at least then like we would lifeguard and you weren't allowed to go in the water as a, as a beach goer more than like past your knees. So like, <laughs> it was like, what the hell are we doing here? But right. so we got certified and we had to pass tests and all that stuff.
0: That's wild. Okay. So if you were around now and you were 20, 21 years old, would you say yes to a reality show does it feel like the same way to and same same atmosphere and environment to, that you said yes in before?
1: No, because it feels so different. So if if someone's listening to this like from a younger demo, imagine this show like there's no like prize, there's no immunity, <laughs> there, you just it's just seven people who nothing. And yeah. that's like sounds like a show. Right, it's, it's, right. So, there's no well, elimination. And it was it's
0: fascinating. Crazy. It was fascinating just to watch that. And now the, the stakes have to be raised so much higher for people to be intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you started watching Real Housewives, it was just, oh, let's see how a bunch of rich people live and they would occasionally fight. And then once someone flipped a table, it was like the only way to get your contract renewed is if you flip a table or you're literally going to federal prison, right? Like the stakes just got a lot more aggressive. So I feel like yeah. if you did it now, We didn't have the
1: stakes. No, it was the stakes were like, look, there was no TV and you couldn't, I mean, you didn't even really have phones. So just sit around for four months and wait for the fights to start. Um, But the question always is to your, to your question is like, would you go on the challenge? Why haven't you go on the challenge? Mm -hmm. I get asked that all the time. Well, Theo was
0: on your season, right? And he's like still doing it.
1: Theo and Anissa Mm -hmm. and like those were, and then like Tanya, who was a very infamous post a real world person, like they all did it. Yeah, sure. I just never did it.
0: Yeah. Not interested. Other stuff going on. You know what it was, Sarah? You
1: would get this. Like, I had to immediately distance myself because I was going to be a very serious actor. Like, very serious. And, like, of I couldn't do it. I had to. And, like, because mm-hmm. I was going to L.A. and, like, enough that I had done the real world. But, like, yeah. well, then you do the challenge. Then you do another then challenge. Then you're that then guy. Then, then yeah, people don't then see you as, you as the guy.
0: character you are. They see you as the,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. I just didn't want it.
0: Right. That's interesting. Um, do you talk to anybody from the cast anymore?
1: I text sometimes with, uh, with Kara who, um, and then sometimes Theo, like every once in a while, like we just had the 20th anniversary of our last day. Like, and so we text sometimes, but t- so six other people, and then occasionally Anissa on Instagram. So out of six other people, I'm in touch with three of them, which I think That's like I'm a 500 good. hitter, it's great.
0: We'll get right back to the interview. But first, what is your favorite word?
1: Phlegm, P-H-L-E-G-M. It's a, it's a spelling just as disgusting as the substance.
0: Flem. Okay, first of all, love a word that's appreciated for its ridiculous spelling because uh, you've gone beyond the meaning, beyond even the sort of onomatopoeic sound, all the way to the letters that inexplicably spell phlegm, which is, of course, as we know, viscid mucus discharged from a mucous membrane of the body dating back to the late 14th century. Also, One of the four bodily humors from late Latin and Greek phlegma and from Old French flume in the 13th century spelled F-L-E-G-M-E. Honestly, leave it to the French to have some random G's in there moving in silence like lasagna. Uh, But back to the four bodily humors. Okay, let's dig a little deeper. So Greek physician Hippocrates, uh, often credited with developing the now discarded theory of the four humors. So blood, yellow bile black bile and phlegm for centuries the four humors were sort of understood as defining people's both physical and mental health like determining your personality even so it was argued that disease was the result of an imbalance in your four humors and that good health could be restored by starving bloodletting vomiting purging like getting the four humors back in balance and they provided a a basis for a lot of shakespeare's plays Um, So their influence was, you know, sort of felt in the emotional states and and bred the core passions of anger and grief and hope and fear. Uh, So from the Greek, then again, phlegma, morbid, clammy, bodily humor caused by heat, literally inflammation, flame, fire, heat to burn. And in old physiology phlegm was like this cold, moist humor of the body. And a predominance of it was believed to cause like lethargy and dullness. So hence calling someone phlegmatic. A person having an unemotional and stolidly calm disposition. I never really connected phlegm and phlegmatic, but we're always learning something here. Uh, Like how to pronounce Hippocrates, because this is me trying to do that. uh, Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Hold on, I'm looking this up. I looked it up and I knew I would forget. Hippocrates, pronunciation, like Hippocratic Oath. Hippocrates. I knew I was going to do that. Hold on. Here we go. Hippocrates. That doesn't make sense Spain. Okay. But back to that four bodily humors thing. Okay. Let's dig a little deeper. So Greek physician Hippocrates. Did I do it again? Mother (laughs) Hippocrates. Greek physician Hippocrates. (laughs) Shit. Can I not? Hippocrates? Hippocratic oath. Hippocrates. Hippocrates? Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Please do not keep this in. Speaking of great words,
2: you're going to learn today.
0: The word of the week is from my favorite wordstress on Twitter, the Susie Dent, uh, and it's nod crafty, spelled N-O-D dash crafty, an obsolete rare term from the 17th century, meaning given to nodding the head with an air of great wisdom when you actually don't have a clue or tuned out a while ago. So this feels like a useful one for this week, this Thanksgiving week. So in a sentence. I just wanted to pop the top button and overindulge on mashed potatoes and cream corn but uncle bob insisted on droning on about the lying media and witch hunts so the only way to avoid a full-fledged food fight was to be nod crafty until he paused for a moment allowing me to escape for more wine use it wisely nod crafty now let's get back to the interview okay so you head to la with this newfound fame yeah. of being on television um Let's let's get to that part quickly. It's okay. a different kind of fame than now. You don't have social media. You don't have people sliding into your DMs. Like you're your you're, the, the what probably happens is what used to happen to me when I was drunk in LA is I would walk up to people and be like, "Hey." did we did we did we go to college together like how do i and then like after the fifth time they'll be like i'm i was on the i'm like oh i'm sorry like just hammered that's like the most of it and then there's a bunch of people who clearly know you and seek you out and want to talk to you and date you and whatever but that kind of fame back then that that time did you like it did you did you use it
1: Sarah, indulge me this. When you're doing that conversation, when you walk up to the person, all right, I'm going to give <laughs> you three choices I, I'm picturing it right now. Are you at A, Miyagi's, B, Ooh. Dublin's, or C, the Saddle Ranch? Which is? Oh,
0: uh, four, Busby's.
1: <laughs> uh, great. I thought you were going to say also a Barney's Beanery me. was another oh, one. Oh,
0: Barney's, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, well. Yeah, you're right. That did definitely happen at Barney's Beanery. We also hung with Andrew Firestone from The Bachelor yeah. at Barney's oh, yeah. Beanery. yeah. Um, all of those places were places I went to. The Saddle Ranch I went to a week into living in L.A. and tried to get a job, and they were like, "How long have you been here?" And I was like, "One week." And they were like, "Come back in four months if you still want to work at the Saddle Ranch." <laughs> I was like, "I certainly do not uh, now that I live I'm here." Out. Uh, uh, I- but
1: I got to answer your question. Um, the fame thing. Here's what was troublesome about the fame thing. So this is a real view at early 2000s media. I show up in L.A. like ready to be, you know, Marlon Brando and I'm going to do the work and I'm really going to study. And, and the the Bachelor had just blown up and Survivor had just blown up. Mm. So every single person in the world, like, as I was one of them who was cheeky reality star, was just on a bullet train to L.A. And they were either all going to be. Studio hosts or movie stars or whatever. So I would like get a meeting with an agent. Oh my God, like I'm going to, I'm going to have the perfect shirt and I'm going to tell them all these great things I want to do and all these incredible actors that, that I, that I study. And like the next guy next to me would literally be Joe Millionaire. Like yeah. that, that, that guy was sitting there yeah. and I'm like, yeah, yeah. damn it, this reality <laughs> thing. So I was really frustrated, man. It was mm-hmm. tough
0: yeah i mean it's it's true like it sounds silly now especially because there's so much crossover of like if you're known and famous you could do many different things but back in that time there was an expectation that if you did that stuff you would not be someone that anyone took seriously as an actor or actress because now everybody knows you as a real person they don't want to see you inhabit a character and so there was a real stress on that but but you end up at days of our lives how does that happen
1: I was the best. It's the only soap I, I
0: ever watched back in the day. Bo and Hope.
1: Okay. So, yeah, Bo and Hope. One, the, one, and summer,
0: one summer. So, I don't know anything. God,
1: that's so funny you said. I had one summer too. And mine was Patch and Kayla, like in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and I and yeah. like Roman. Um, oh, I, Roman was still
0: around by my summer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because Roman's a legend. Like Roman's yeah, still yeah. on the show to this no day. No way. Oh, my God. Um, I did a million auditions. every single pilot, zero callbacks. They're what you call just, you know, you're green, you're green. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just an idiot. And then like the soap opera thing, they go in an audition for, um, for days of our lives. And like, it, you know, you coach and you paid some person a hundred dollars for an hour to teach you how to read your lines yeah. and you go in and you get it. And like, God damn, I got a three-year contract on NBC to play Philip Kerouac. Cause I was a recast Amazing. from another actor who had left. And then I'm in there and I'm sitting in Salem working with Bowen hope and, and, <laughs> you know, Stefano and all and Marlena. It was like, it is the, all the things I've done in my career? I, I think I had the most fun doing the soap opera. It was awesome.
0: Is it as wild as they say in terms of like number of lines and scenes that you shoot daily,
1: Sarah? It's pages, and I can yeah. I tell you that I, since I was a kid, I could memorize movie lines and song lyrics and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I can, and so you have people show up, and they could be. Daniel Day Lewis as as (laughs) in the role of Roman in Days of Our Lives. Yeah, if you cannot memorize three pages in a row of dialogue, you're fired. You have to go. You can't. So I could do it, and to this day, and my current job that skill that I like sharpened and days of our lives helps me because I don't need prompter for a lot of stuff. I remember stats. If I need them, I remember quotes and like, I can remember all of it. And that's because of that stupid days of our lives job that I love so much with me and my shirt talking to bell and and Mimi (laughs) if that's how I can do that. Well,
0: theater in general, right? That's a skill. I remember when I was doing theater all through junior high, um, Yeah, it was it was that it was how do you do this? And then you just start and that's it. It's just now it's ingrained. Like there's I'm sure you have things that you can still there's somewhere buried in there. Like I wrote a rap for Levitard show. And if I could do it off the top of my head, even though I wrote it in like an hour, one night, because I just had to keep saying it so many times to figure it out. Give me some of the bars. Give me some bars. Well, the name is Spain, but they call me the commish, C-O-M-M-I. I said, you don't want to f*** with this. Step into the grid and I'll rule real world. The alpha male of the show is a ball-busting girl. Anyway, it's actually the beginning <laughs> of this podcast, uh, which most people don't know that the music at the top is the back music of the commish rap. Oh. But I mean, I'm sure you have those moments where you're like, why do I remember? It's a it's a line of dialogue or it's a quote or it's a poem or it's something that you had to learn once and it's just still in there. Stephen Colbert does that all the time on his show. He'll just pop off with like some Shakespearean monologue monologue from 25 years ago absolutely
1: and i like to your point i remember when i and when i decided i was going to leave the show to become a huge movie star i uh, my people are like <laughs> did you get killed off and i was like mm-hmm. no I, I left town you know and i, I had this oh, scene where i was the jetway. Back. oh yeah and i am the jetway and i say goodbye to the, the woman and i uh she's just like i just don't understand why you're leaving this town and i go i'm not leaving this town bell this town's leaving me. And I don't wow. even know what that means, but then I wow. walked on the jetway in single tear and that was it. So like, I, that's <laughs> the line I remember.
0: That's amazing. So did you choose to leave then? You, you were oh, done. Yeah.
1: yeah. Why it, is listen, that if
0: you loved it so much?
1: Because... Every single, you know, hunky douche on a soap opera is going to become Harrison Ford or Denzel. Like, of it, course, is totally.
0: it is a fact. Totally. fact. Guaranteed. And
1: um, so that was me. And um, so I was going <laughs> to leave and like, here we go. I'm going to, this is the takeover. I put in my time, did my soaps. That was my, like, my graduate work. And now, yeah, I honestly, you know, I, I really, really thought that I would be now like what, like one of the Chris's is like, you know, Chris yeah, yeah. Pine or Hemsworth or whatever. Like, and those guys are so talented and, and I really do respect them which doesn't happen. And then, yeah. so I'm out there, I leave this job, which is paying me good money. And I just like, you just see that, that checking account or that, like, ING orange saving account. Yeah. And it just goes, <laughs> and you're just like, well, I think I'm about two months from moving back to Lake Bluff to right. live with my mom. Right. And that, it was, it was really rough, really rough. What did your
0: agent say when you wanted to leave the, the soap?
1: You should, they agents push for it, you know, right. cause they're like, I believe in you and you've done you, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like us, even in sports media now, if you have like a good steady job or you're on a show is, you know, we both have been like, just, I'm going to be done with this. And I, I know that I'm going to host, you know, I'm going to be in the, the anchor for Monday night football. Like, no,
0: you're not <laughs> yeah. asshole. Like, no, stay with your job. Stick with it. Stick with it. Keep it. You're doing fine. Um, yeah. There's like, it's good to be ambitious. It's also good to be satisfied. If you're never satisfied, then you're never happy. And then you're just keep looking for the next thing. Okay. So do you have any memorable auditions in that time post days that you, like life would have been different if you got it, or ones that you remember going to and be wishing that you had nailed it.
1: Yeah. So uh I had a couple big ones. Um like I not, not that I was gonna get or anything, but I got I auditioned for Superman at one point. And this was the Brandon Routh, Kevin Spacey uh, Superman.
0: Movie. Brandon Routh was on my kickball team. Oh, really? He's like really good friends with my buddies. So okay, but we so, still know. have some leftover Superman paper with his face on it that my dad got as a joke once once he found out that I knew him. Uh, that's really funny. Okay, so that's when you were you were going for the Brandon Routh movie. Yeah, and
1: like yeah, they yeah. just they saw every guy in the town and I was never going to get uh Captain Kirk, the uh, from the Star Trek JJ Abrams movies. Like yeah. I thought for sure I was going to get that. That one for real. But here's 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 the here's the one i had an audition experience that made me leave hollywood and go on to sports and it was so they were doing this crappy reboot of night rider the david hasselhoff show Uh and this would have been i can even give you this would have been 2000 i think it would have been 2008 and I go in and audition for you know, Michael Knight, or it was probably like Mike Knight, his son or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I get the callback and I get another callback and this is happening and they like me and they're loving in the room. My agent's saying, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. And I go into the final test or whatever it was. And there was a few other guys. And uh, the scene that you do in the audition is you're in a graveyard and you're speaking to um, Hasselhoff's grave. He's your father and you yeah. talk to him. It's just very heavy actor stuff. And I yeah. worked it and I coached it and I, you know, I was ready. And then in the scene that oh my god it has to also live and he comes up behind you and starts talking it's actually kind of a cool I'm getting goosebumps yeah. right now um, <laughs> and so I thought like this is it and this is this is my story and I'm gonna take off didn't get it not only did I not get it it went to another soap opera guy named Justin Bruning who I wish him the best but he got it and so I'm like if I can't get the goddamn Knight Rider reboot what I'm perfect for I'm the right age I'm the right look I did <laughs> I, I nailed my audition um i gotta get out of here and i gotta move home yeah. or i gotta do something else
0: how many years was that then that you were doing the acting thing of some in some way like so after real world and before you switched over
1: i'd say it was like uh five and a half years yeah most of my funny. 20s
0: yeah that's a, that's the same as me i moved back to chicago at the end of 08 no that's kidding? when i was that's was when that I was tough high. uh no but it was for sports Oh, it was for sports. It was, I want to cover my teams and I want to do it there where they care about the teams more than whether I look cute in a clubbing dress. Cause all the women in LA on TV that, especially the starting out, it was just like supermodels. Okay. So Jim Rome, was this the first sports gig? And when you decided to pivot, was it, was it intentional or accidental to sports?
1: The story actually translates to right now a lot for people who want to get into sports media so when i was a miserable failing actor running out of money i i started a blog that's what you did in 2006 or 7. you just I, I had a it was a blog it was a kyle brandt blog and i would just blog stupid stuff oh i saw this person i saw nick carter at runyon canyon da, 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 da. it was stupid but it was an outlet and it was a creative outlet it was a lot like tweeting now like if you don't have a job but you can be published every single day so i would be published and so I started writing some things, and um, I wrote this blog that one time I was at Bally's on Ventura and Studio City working out, and I was on a treadmill. And as I'm running on the treadmill, I look to my right, and there's this tall guy to my right, and I look, and it's Carl Lewis on the treadmill next to me. <laughs> and not only am I running next to Carl Lewis, I looked, and I'm like, I'm running faster than Carl Lewis. What the hell is going on here? So I blogged this, and, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny or whatever. The next morning... I wake up at 11 a.m. I slept in my robe or whatever, and I had my Blackberry Curve. I pull it up and I have an email from this weird email address. And the email's like, Kyle, Jim Rome here. And uh, I've been reading your website and I really think you have some talent. So I go, What, what, what the what? hell is going on? Because I watched the afternoon block every day. I watched PTI, yeah. I watched Around the Horn, I watched JRIB. Yeah. Jim Rome was burning, it was a big deal at the
0: time. Yeah, yeah. I'd never His met radio him. Never show with mine. Him. I was a clone. You were a clone. I was a clone. Didn't watch the TV, but I listened to the radio every day. Oh,
1: that's so cool. Did you ever (laughs) call? No. Oh, all right. That's too bad. But anyway, so (laughs) the the story is is that one of my college teammates, back from college, back from sports, Ross Tucker, who now is pretty well known in NFL media, and he calls games, and he's a really successful guy. Rome had approached him to come and potentially join the team. And Ross says, I don't want to move to California, but there's this guy out there. His background's a little weird, but you should check out this website. He's an old friend of mine. Rome checks the website, he emails me, he brings me in for an interview. I worked for him for 9 years because of that Carl wow. Lewis blog and because I decided to write so when random. I was miserable.
0: Okay, wait, I forgot to ask, did we meet yeah. yet? I have
1: I'd be interested to know if we have different versions of when we met. Well, because, I don't remember
0: it, so right. yours is probably right.
1: <laughs> Here's my memory. All right. Um the Patriots are 18 and 0, 17 and 0, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, no, no, they're 18 and no. They're going before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They're gonna play the Eli Manning and Plaxico Giants. I go to an ESPN party. This Super Bowl's in Arizona. It's the first Super Bowl I ever went to. I feel like I met you at that party. I was there. Uh, I was talking to Bill Simmons, Matthew Barry, and then there was like another after party, another bar, and like John Walsh was there. And it was you and me and Simmons and Walsh and, and like Michael
0: Irvin? Yeah, Michael Irvin. I have a picture. It How is could the I weirdest that? photo ever. It's me, Michael Irvin, and John Walsh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's everything right there, isn't it? <laughs> Very
0: strange.
1: Photo. Is it that night, you
0: think? I thought I met you before that.
1: Do you think we met in L.A.?
0: I think we met in L.A. because of many
1: mutual- Chicago people. Many We, prob- mutual. we probably did, but I remember the, the Arizona night.
0: one of my good friends from Cornell played field hockey against me growing up. She went to Oak Park, but she had Princeton friends mm-hmm. that were field hockey players that I then mm-hmm. met through her- And then Rebecca Harlow.
1: Oh yeah, Becky Harlow, of course. Yeah, I know.
0: We might have met through her. We have a lot of mutuals that I I think we met at Le Deux or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. I remember Bliss on Le Brea. I don't remember. Uh,
0: Everyone called it Le Deux, which was not how you pronounce le de in in French? Anyway, the point is, uh, I I feel like it was one of those, and then we ran into each other the night of the Michael Irvin, uh, yeah, John for Walsh. Sure. Okay, maybe that's what I mean. I'll go when, back and we... look at those photos because I was definitely at that party, and I was definitely at the random hotel bar after party that had that collection of people.
1: Well, here's an interesting test. So I I th- oh no I, I you've had the same phone number for a long time. Though,
0: yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, 310.
1: Yeah, same with me, because you and I texted leading up to this, and I think I had your number from like 12 years ago or something. Like
0: longer than that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right? That's crazy. I was like, I want him to come on the pod. I think I could just text him. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) I think I have his number from 22 years ago. Um, Okay, so you get to Rome. You had aspirations, of course, of being on camera, and you had been for a while. You weren't just an aspiring. You were on The Real World, then you were on Days of Our Lives. So was it humbling to be a behind-the-scenes person, or at least to be a crew and not the star?
1: It was invigorating. I'll tell you why. Because it was really validating. And it was back to that thing about I'm the star football player and the Wrangler, but like I, I feel superficial and like I want to do theater. Put in the work. Yeah. So I showed up, and after going from you know something as as, as superficial as a soap opera and auditioning for night rider stuff, then it's like, come in, drive down to Orange County 50 miles every one way at you know 5 a.m. or whatever time we would get in. And, you know, start contributing and adding ideas and writing and doing all these things. You will never appear on camera. You will never be on the air. It's only your thoughts. You were,
0: though, eventually.
1: Years later. Like, (laughs) I I think I was a good five years. And honestly, the humbling part, like, I was like the text screener, not even the email or call screener. This is like, back then, you could text a radio show now. I I remember I started, I cut my teeth screening texts for the jungle from some idiot who has, like, I I don't even know what the jokes would have been then. It was like. Uh, something on like some Clinton Portis joke, like Janky right. Spanky or whatever. It was like, right, that right, was the right. hot thing at the, the time. The deuce
0: of Davenport. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it was. So I started then and then, uh, so I, I liked it cause I just had to write and write and like use my brain and it just, it felt like it felt awesome. I really do have good memories of it.
0: Well, yeah. And it's a return to like, uh, if you are an Ivy league nerd, there's probably a part of you that was into like putting in the work and doing homework and doing research yes. and like being, and you could do that with acting, but it's a, it feels very different to me than when you're writing or creating. Um, And so you probably got to scratch some of those itches that you hadn't done in a while, especially as a writer back, back in college. So is that satisfying for you? Uh, I want to work at Rome forever. I want to, I want to be a part of this, this world. Um, Or was it always throughout that process, throughout that nine years were you auditioning to try to be doing other things in the sports world? No,
1: no. I was like, you know that the way jim runs it at least he did at the time like it's very all-inclusive like it's a, it's an all-day job all night like you watch sports you talk at night about the celtics game and then the second you wake up like you couldn't do other things so right also at the time like right when i met jim i, I started dating my wife like we got married you know the, like basically i built my family and everything while i was working with jim and then you know you have a couple kids and then you're like all right now it's time to readdress this career thing right. and um i've been playing in the seeds. like jim to his credit I came to him as his producer and said, like, do you think when you're out I could host? And like a lot of hosts would be like, No, this is I'm very territorial. Like, no, absolutely not. And he's like, Yeah. And he let me do it tons of times. Amazing. And he was like so cool of him.
0: Yeah. Did you work with the Mant brothers ever with around Jim?
1: Extensively. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was my first um one of my first on camera gig in any sports thing ever was called Fantasy Sports Girl. I know what that is. Yeah. And that was a Mant Brothers creation. And I would drive an hour and 45 minutes down to wherever this, the Rome Studios West Chet, were. Westminster. Yeah. And I got to write my own script. So I was like, all right, so I have to wear these cut up jerseys with shit tons of cleavage. Yeah. My boobs are up to my face, but I get to write the copy and make the pics and it's in a fancy studio. And it's the first person that gave me a shot in there. I'm still a good friends with Michael, man. Yeah. So um, my, I mean,
1: Mike was at my wedding. Like I, I oh, love nice. Mike. So yeah. you would be like, if I can write, I'll wear the TJ Hushmanzada yeah. jersey. That's all yes. set
0: up. <laughs> can, we, can we just talk about, by the way, that yeah. he put Houshmanzada in the audition script as a test. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He had a couple and then he had Antoine Randall L. He put a couple in there to see if the person would come in and stumble over some of the names and whether they really like watch football. Um, yeah, but it's funny because those photos are still on the internet and people are like, what's this? I'm like, listen, man, if you were trying to work in sports and someone wanted you to wear that as a dude, you would wear it. Like one of my friends is in you know calendars in a banana hammock a dude who works in sports okay because that's what people wanted at the time from him so you know it's just the business it's it oh, but- Sarah
1: after I didn't get Night Rider I would have worn the Borod bikini like I would have done anything <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that
0: <laughs> yeah um okay so you're behind the camera you're you're doing all the work with Rome but you become a part of the sports world because that's a massive uh, you know, there's a massive following there. He's super well known, yeah. um, and you kind of figure out probably your own voice, your own takes, your own approach to everything. How does the Good Morning Football thing come from that? And then was that the first gig right after Rome? And did you decide to leave, or did you get? Um, you no, know, that was I eleven kind of, questions.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I. It, it, but it was a, quite a, a Really, a, a really pivotal time for me. I, I started kind of. Um, I guess you sort of felt like dating other women a little bit. I would start making appearances on FS1. Mm -hmm. So I would do, um, I would get up in the morning at five, do the Rome show, produce it and write and everything, go home and see my baby son and my wife. And then I would drive up to LA um, from, from Orange County and do these, like these shows at night on Fox sports one. And sometimes it would be with, with Carissa or it would be with like a Petros Papadakis or Mm -hmm. Christina Pink. Like all those people were doing them at the time. And it was really the first like sports TV I ever did. And it was all just like, you know, uh, Lance Armstrong, this, and (laughs) like the U.S. soccer team, this. And I would just have takes. And like, it was fun because not a lot of ton of people were watching, but it was live. and, And like, you got that, that first taste of it and um so i did that for a while and i got an agent from that like in in la and i and i um they started putting me out for things and then (laughs) good morning football happened very very quickly at the very last minute i always tell people like so that whole show is based on you know chemistry of four people and their camaraderie and they're able to work together there was no audition there was no chemistry chemistry test i didn't meet i had never met Kay or nate before we were cast they just cast us and um, I was the last one of the four, and they just did it. And they said, like, you got to move to New York. And I had two babies, and my wife had never been to New York. Wow. And uh, we showed up and said, screw it. Like, we took a leap of faith. It was wild. And that was five years ago.
0: That's like a reverse real world. They're like, we're going to yeah. cast people and hope <laughs> they get along, but yes. they're not going to know each other at all. Great point. Um, That's wild, because it is. It's all about the chemistry. I have gotten really into the show, um, and I've tried a lot of different NFL shows and NFL live is now fantastic. I liked it before, it's but great. the Mina, Dan, know. you know, like the, the the combo, the Laura, the, the folks they have and now Marcus are so great together that it makes me want to watch it while I'm learning and and listening. Yeah. Um. And a lot of previous iterations of those kind of football shows just haven't done it for me. It's too serious. It's too uh, vanilla. And good morning football is so fun. And I was thinking the other day, I don't know that of the times I've watched and I never watch it live because God, no. Uh, Are you liking the wake-up calls? Are you okay? Oh, I
1: love that. I've done it for for 12 years. You know why? People are like, how do you wake up at 5 a.m., 4 in the morning? I'm like, because I'm done at 11 a.m. I'm done. I love it. I I don't mind it at all. and,
0: And just every once in a while when you want to have a social life, you're just a little bit tired in the morning? Yeah,
1: or like I just you you know what Sarah like if I'm out and we're having cocktails I want to go home so
0: like <laughs> I
1: have a built in reason You're to old. go. Sorry, You're old now. yeah, I don't want to go out. I don't even. Uh, I, I, I'm I the opposite. Wait.
0: I do sh- I do work till eight p.m. and so uh, uh okay. I, I'm a, I'm a night owl. But um, okay, so I was I was thinking about it the other day when I was watching. Do you guys have a directive to stay away from sensitive NFL topics because your employer is the NFL, or is it more about the show's approach? <laughs>
1: No directive at all. You know, what What sucks, this is, this is so funny. Like, we can laugh about it now. So they put together these four kids, basically, and they're going to be fun. And football should be fun. Fun, 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 fun. In the first week of the fun, fun, fun show, Kaepernick takes a knee. And cool. it's all. It's like, then it becomes, we, we did Kaepernick, like, wall to wall. Because yeah. that was the biggest story in the world. And so that was this huge record scratch in the fun sense. Like, we can't do... You know which which Stranger Things character would Matthew Stafford be? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Like we're like we're talking about like the Kaepernick thing. So we got baptized in the serious storyline thing that the NFL was dicey about. They you know people say that all the time. And like one of the what do you like about the job? What do you not like about the job? You know what I love about it? We can do anything. We have such creative freedom. One yeah. to come up with a segment and be like. Let's do some dumbass segment where we go outside dressed as, I don't know, pretzels and talk about the Seahawks. And they're like, great, let's do it. (laughs) And there's never any like avoid this. Sometimes there's a talk about like, let's make sure we're well informed in what we're saying. And like, let's stick to the facts about what we're saying. Like, but it's never don't talk about this. And like we've had. You know, for the fun show that's on the league's network, like we'll, we'll talk about crappy officiating, like yeah. we'll talk about Henry Ruggs. Like it, it's all there. It's just, let's do it carefully. That's the only thing yeah.
0: we got. Yeah. I mean, your show is such a model for the people who want to do something like that, where there's enough of a budget to have some fun with some creative ideas and throw shit against the wall and see what works. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's tough to do. It's really tough to do because you have to have the right people working with you. You have to have creative, fun writers and producers and everybody needs to get on board with it. And it's... um, when it works it's so good and when it's oh. bad it's awful it's unwatchable and that's why so many people don't take swings at it because mm-hmm. that fun stuff the sp- stuff's supposed to be kind of like comedy and sketch uh, can be pretty brutal when it doesn't work and on your show it feels just supernatural i've been i've been messaging I i haven't heard back from it but i want to get her on the pod too because she's such sure. a fun kind of uh part of that show and i, I love watching you guys it's really really thanks. good show thanks sarah um, your 10 questions podcast, also very fun. The list of guests is unbelievable. <laughs> is that all personal connections or do you just have to know like two of them and then ask that person to, to get you that person to get you? Cause I book all my own guests for this too. And I just, I, I literally slide into DMS and I'm like, Hey, sure. like, I don't know you, but you follow me for some reason. So if you want to <laughs> come? on now, that's usually where I start is I find out like a famous person follows me back and I'm like, all right this could, this could happen.
1: I know. I'm so with you. The sweetest two words in the podcast game are follows you when you yes. go to their profile. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh yeah. my God, I can mess um, this, this like, person yeah, and Just yeah. to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling I, I created. I knew that getting into this cause my show, I can only do with a guest. We call them contestants, but I can't just have a friend on and talk like it has to, you have to have a proper contestant. So I'm like, I need an ace in the hole. So my ace in the hole is, Remember when we used to do like the ice bucket challenge and all that stuff and you would have the water pulled on you like an idiot and then you would always call out some people So my ace in the hole is like, so everybody on my show gets a score and out of 10, you get a four or you get an eight Mm -hmm. or whatever. At the end, every single contestant must call out someone else to come on. So like Keegan-Michael Key came on and was awesome and so great. But at the end, he goes, I got a, whatever, he got a seven. And you know what, Michael Strahan, you couldn't do shit and you try to do that. And then, so you take that clip and you send it to Strahan and Strahan's like, well, I would never do that show. Very smart. (laughs) <laughs> They're gonna put it on Twitter and say that Strahan is afraid Up and so then Strahan yeah. comes on and then yeah. he calls out someone. So that's my little device that I create. It doesn't always work, but it does not I
0: think I'm gonna steal that because my my device is who should i have on this podcast is the last question i ask. oh yeah and then when they say someone that pr- 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 that they seem to know i'm like oh i've got an in then but then i rarely follow up because i feel bad bothering them to, mm. for their famous friend but i need to i need to up the stakes to instead of who should i have on you know who, who could be can better you than you, get me yeah. on <laughs> See, who now did, I'm totally distracted, Sarah, because
1: my mind is drifting. I'm just trying to think about who I'm going to say you when were gonna you're say. me that. I yeah. know, right. Okay, we're not okay. there yet.
0: A couple more things. Okay, okay, so 10 questions is really fun, though. I was listening to you and um, Jeff Garland a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just it also reminded me that he was before our time in Chicago because his ex- exact memories of the championship game and – I mean, you were you were on top of it, too, despite being like six when it happened. So clearly you had been raised in a family that was into that. Yeah, took remember me, that. But he was like he word for word, every detail of the bears back in the day in eighty five, eighty six. So oh, that was a fun one. And then you've got Frogger. I, I was unaware that Frogger was a show and that you host it. And it's new, right? It's it's pretty new.
1: Yeah, it's but we just did. We're in the middle of the first season right now on Peacock. Frog and people are like Frogger, like the like the video game. Yeah, Frogger, like the video game. It's a show now. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, do a lot of people die then?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you know what? I'm trying to combine all the references. It's like uh, American Gladiators meets like Ready Player One. With squid a games. little bit of Squid Game for sure. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I got to start adding that to that bit. Yeah, yeah Squid Game, yeah. American Gladiators, Ready Player One. Good call.
0: And then probably Flora's Lava. Yeah. Uh, where like, you know the person doesn't die when they go down there but the stakes are set up for you to imagine that that is actual lava what so what is the premise is it people in frog costumes trying to not get hit by like you're kind of close
1: they don't actually have frog costumes but like the arcade game back in the day where you know the cars go by and you jump on the alligators it's that except like massive massive scale so you're like wipeout yeah it like a little like wipeout but um like, and you have to jump on top of the car and then John Joppa, the fr- alligator. And like, and then Damon Wayans and I, who I work with, like, we're just like either cracking jokes or like I check it yeah, very yeah, serious. Yeah. Like I'm calling like the Super Bowl and um, my kids just love it. I can't give a shit about any of the stuff that I do. But that <laughs> Frogger show, like they beg and then they're silent while we watch. That's, so that's amazing. Great. Would yeah. you
0: say tougher to complete the Frogger course or aggro crag?
1: <laughs> tough. i got to do the frogger course though It beat the shit out of me it was really wow. bad wow. yeah at the end when like we were done and the attorneys signed off on it like i i was really i was like the person on family feud who like messes up fast money and like st- and they see harvey laughs at. it was bad
0: <laughs> um so that's a lot of gigs that that you're doing now and you've got two kids you're mm-hmm. also Coaching uh, football, as we heard earlier in the podcast, and trying not to prioritize the talented ones, <laughs> um, or maybe you are, and just suffering the crisis of consciousness yeah. that results. Uh, what is next for you? What else do you want to do?
1: You know the you know the, like the biggest thrill that I've ever gotten, at least in sports. Um, NFL play by play is awesome. I did it uh, for two Bears preseason games. I remember that. Yeah, it was – Adam Amin usually does it, and since there was an extra preseason game that year, he had a conflict. The Bears brought me in, and, I mean, you get it. Like, there I am in, like, in Soldier Field, like, where I was as a kid, and I'm calling a Bears game. Now, listen, it's it's Tyler Bray versus A.J. McCarron on the Bills. It is not the NFC title game, but it's so – it is really like you're like you're on the, the the pilot's chair of the Starship Enterprise, and like you call the shots, and you yeah. the whole world is listening, and that's what it feels like. So like all the studio shows and red carpets and interviews, that that stuff's so cool, and I'm so thankful to have it. Doing NFL play by play was badass. I loved it.
0: Okay, so both you and Mina Kimes auditioned to be the mm-hmm. the host person to go along with the mannings for manning cast which they elected not to have yeah. any host at all which we'll we'll talk about that in a moment but now that I'm picturing you I know Mina Kimes does some preseason I could see you guys in a booth together that would be fun
1: I'd love to oh my god and like the bears this is the best part sirs. the bears came there like look it's the fifth preseason game the fifth um Right. right. Nobody. <laughs> nobody's really watching. They don't really care about the action. Just just have just conversation. Have just be loose. Don't worry about being right. like a, a Mike Tirico, who's like the pro, like just be just talk to your co-host. And so it was and they gave me a long leash and it was awesome. But yeah, the Mina thing. Sure. Let's do it. You come in, too.
0: Well, I just I just love Mina Kimes, and I I, I was thinking how she has worked her way into so getting right. those opportunities from a non traditional background. Right, she has been um, doing all the things in the space, and then arriving at uh, at at some play by play. So uh, you could weasel your way into some more uh, with with the current work you're doing, right. which would be awesome. Um, all right, so before I let you go, and and quick Manning cast yeah. audition as cool as it sounds. It was amazing.
1: Like it was. You know, I try to tell my wife who, like, doesn't understand necessarily from the same perspective I do about – I'm like, do you understand that Peyton and Eli, they're, like, the closest we as Americans have to, like, you know, William and Harry. Like, they're (laughs) – these guys are sort of royalty in their own sense. So, even the the mechanics there of the audition, like – we're really intense. Like it's this, it's a zoom. So it's like, it's 12 windows and I don't work for ESPN, but all these ESPN execs are there. And like, it's, this is a pretty big deal. And like, Eli's just right on time, you know, like a boy scout, just like you want him. and (laughs) chit chat with Eli. And everyone's talking and talking. And then there's other zoom window and then it's Peyton. And like, everybody's quiet, you know, and everyone's, you know, like the president is here. And um, (laughs) then we just start calling this Browns Ravens game from last season. And like, it was amazing and you know what? It, it took me like 30 seconds probably probably 20 seconds to realize like yeah they don't need a host like this what am i doing here this is yeah. like i was like a ball boy for like lebron and d wade having to shoot around and i knew right away <laughs> that like this is probably the way this should go
0: <laughs> well and you told jimmy trainer that you actually told them you don't need a host you didn't even try to get the job you were like yeah you don't need me yeah i probably
1: regret wow. that in retrospect <laughs> <laughs> I should have been. I should have been like, I don't know. You might want me because I think they listen. They're like, oh yeah, that's, that's what we hilarious. were thinking. I don't know if they were thinking that at the time, but I will. I, I I said this to Jimmy too. Like, I I in I think it's a huge blessing that I for some reason was not given that job because I don't think that would have gone well for me. Watching the show now, if I was watching with some guy who wasn't a Manning, even if he was like an NFL like, player, shut up. Was really charming. Like right. yeah, shut funny. Up. Uh, we, None of none of you get out of here. It's <laughs> totally. I would. I think I would have taken a lot of heat for that.
0: And somehow the awkward pauses actually serve them because they do sometimes then I think become more honest in those moments instead of filling, whereas a host would try to like jump in and move things on and maybe you'd you'd miss that honesty. Okay, I've kept you longer than I promised, so you do have to do the one thing that everybody does and nobody expects. didn't expect the kind of Spanish Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition is part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. the spanish inquisition it's the spanish inquisition 10 speed round questions that everybody gets number one your current career all of your different jobs are canceled what job do you do instead
1: uh i'd become a a barbecue influencer
0: (laughs) okay number two what's the most scared you've ever been
1: um first like first real make out Like not peck, but like I'm talking like full French first kiss, seventh grade and um, a Manitoban's driveway. I was really terrified, but I just went for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Number three, you could be the best in the world at one thing for one day. What is it?
1: Golf. I'm gonna be the best golfer in the world, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna bet everybody, I'm gonna dump that first tee. Every one of my friends is gonna be, there. It's gonna be live on Instagram, it's gonna be live on Snapchat, everywhere. Golf is so Amazing. goddamn hard. It is. And you look so cool when you're good at it. Golf, I'm gonna be the best golfer in the world.
0: <laughs> uh, number four, what current celebrity from music, TV, sports, politics, whatever, would you most like to be your best friend? My best
1: friend? I thought you were gonna to go to the romantic thing. Um,
0: Try to keep marriages intact around these. Yeah, parts. that's cool. You know, whole
1: purse, all that bullshit. Yeah. They say, "I'm." You know what? I'm going to run through the stop sign. I'm going to. I'm going to say. Um, I'm a big fan of um of Gal Gadot. You know. Yeah, yeah, Wonder yeah. Woman. Like can, she...
0: Most people want their lover to be their best friend.
1: <laughs> there you go. This is, that's that's my answer, and I actually Perfect. do think that my wife looks like her. So I would go with her. Okay,
0: nice score then. Gal Gadot is like the most beautiful She's person amazing. ever. Um, number five. What's your biggest, most meaningless pet peeve?
1: Um I I hate ketchup packets. They drive me so they're so all right. They're they're woefully insufficient. It's like I need 50 times more than that. Mm -hmm. They're very difficult to open. Then once you open one, your hands get greasy. You can't open the second one. And, you know, they made a comeback because we used to have the pumps. Then the goddamn COVID ruined the pumps, so you can't have communal pumps. So now the ketchup packets mm-hmm. are back. And people are like, yeah, but there's those exercise ones. I don't see many of those. I hear that they're I've out there, but it's still them. the yeah. same ones from when I was, like, six Very years old. I hate ketchup packets.
0: Why can't it just be like the barbecue sauce that we used to dip nuggets in where you take the top off and yeah. then it's, like, a tub instead of, like, a packet? I don't
1: know why they don't just take that barbecue. Like, the straight-up McDonald's sweet and sour yeah. barbecue so it says Heinz on it and has ketchup you just put ketchup in it there must be like a, maybe it's the, the maybe it's the hot dog application
0: you know what i bet it is is that the ketchup is usually going to be for a dog or a burger or something where you need to spread it instead of dip it
1: you know what? I can take that lib out the tub and, yeah, and we can spread can, it perfectly we fine. We could still
0: make it work, but yeah. presumably there'd be right. potential. I hate those you could things. use a fry, almost like a knife spread.
1: <laughs> yeah, <Anyway>. A spatula.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could use a spork, whatever. Yeah. Okay, number six. What's the most embarrassed you've ever been?
1: I, I had one of my. Um, I guess not one of my. Like, who am I to brag? I, I have a near superpower that I. Ooh. It's very difficult to embarrass me very difficult um and i think you can see that if you watch good morning football but uh <laughs> i you know what i get very embarrassed um i don't, I don't think i have one i i get i'm very bad sarah at remembering people's names socially mm. very bad mm-hmm. and it has happened to me before just not on tv or anything just like you know in the cul-de-sac where i'm big <laughs> one of my classic moves is is i'll be like hi how you doing i'm kyle nice to meet you and they're like kyle like yeah. we met like six yeah. times like yeah you and i we we went out to dinner with your <laughs> wife like we there's two couples my my name is is is, is ashley like what, what yeah. are, you, are you joking it's yeah. that's that now i'm getting embarrassed even thinking about it
0: yeah that that is deeply embarrassing and i have that problem occasionally too yeah. it's yeah i i don't know that i've gone to full dinners just two couples and oh, forgotten God. someone but uh i've definitely <laughs> or like or like people that i work with that like I think there's like a little, like if you're the one of two people on camera and everyone has to stare at you the whole show, there's like a little more of a break there than like one of the 10 people behind the scenes that you talk to for like a second, but I still feel like the worst person alive. Yes, I don't remember. There's that the whole worst. sketch on um, SNL where it was like, uh, I can't even remember who it was. It was like, some celebrity had to name any of the people that came out and it was like their wife's friend their you know, their cousin, really? someone that they worked with and they I mean, would like a million dollars right now. If you can name this person. And the whole point was that the that. celebrity was like an asshole who doesn't remember working with anyone. Uh, good story, Spain. Maybe remember the person next time you tell it. Okay. So just to clarify, they've actually done the sketch with a couple different people, which maybe is why my brain was not making the connection. Uh, John Mulaney did it. But the one I'm thinking of that was really good was Justin Timberlake and Lady gaga and of course she remembered the name of every person she'd ever met even for like a second and justin timberlake couldn't remember anyone women he'd just slept with etc and uh this is a quick clip that was uh, my favorite part so justin you ready to forget the next name okay all right i just want to say that i meet a lot of people every day and i love all of my fans okay but when you only spend two minutes with someone in passing it's hard to remember their names
1: that's fair don't worry, JT. Our next clue shouldn't be hard. Bring them out. I was in sync with you. But I'm not Lance Bass, you, or Joey Fatone. What's my name? Tell me even part of his name. <laughs> I'll give every charity on earth ten million dollars.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> I know it. Right, I know you know there, 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 it, Gaga. I know you
2: <laughs> I know it. <laughs> but it's JT's turn.
0: <laughs> so come on, man. What's my name, JT?
2: Uh I think it's like uh I know this. <laughs> uh
0: Chow Choi ch- Char, Chardy. <laughs> You
1: think his name is Charty? <laughs> well, we don't need a buzzer to know that's wrong.
2: But let's hear one anyway. Audience, what's the name? Chris Kirk Mactrick! I I I knew
0: that.
2: I oh, knew you that. Did? then real I knew quick, that. what's his name? Real quick. We just I, said it. it K- 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 Kirk Kirk, Charty. You are awful.
0: Awesome. Number seven, what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve?
1: Um Man, there's so, I've got so many. What do I want to improve? I I I gotta be I gotta tell you I have like really bad cell phone addiction right now and and I know we all kind of do it's bad and you know what the test is here's the test ladies and gentlemen you uh, get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom at two in the morning when you do that do you check your phone like sometimes I my husband does yeah it's like that's that's I, I do it all the time and I'm almost like. Oh good. I have to pee. Yes. I can check my goddamn Instagram. Oh, no. Some stupid thing. Like it's bad. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what it is, but like someone told me you got to turn on the screen time, man. That'll show. I'm like, I can't turn. I think it's, no. I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be no, very humble. Mine humbling.
0: tells me and I'm still like, that's awful.
1: You get the alerts.
0: Let me get back to it.
1: Yeah, flick. <laughs> yeah. Get off my screen. It's like when Netflix asks oh, you if you're still watching. I could beat yeah, that. Off.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, right. That's bad. Cell phone addiction stuff. Yeah, is tough
0: that's, that. yeah. that is. It, it's very useful though for those of us that were around before it to remind ourselves that at one point we weren't like that, and to try to establish some boundaries occasionally. That's why, especially at night, I'm like, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to do anything because, like, then you just. Back into, the, know, back into know, the loop. I know. I um, know. Number eight. Any musician or band, alive or dead, can play your next party. Who is it? Tool.
1: Yeah, Tool. Um, really? Yeah, interesting. That's, that's, a, that's a thing for me. Um, yeah, they—they're like their biggest album of the '90s came out when I was a senior in high school, and like that album that drops when you're a senior in high school yes. is, is just tattooed on your emotions. Right. And then they're still doing it at a really high level, and like I think they're sophisticated and like. They're kind of dark, and they're everything I I, I want to be. So
0: it listen, is. the stock that, answer that is that counterculture thing again. you were talking about, though. Yeah, where yeah. you wanted to be, Andrew Bender. You were like,
1: yeah, I know, but I'm really like I'm Pearl Jam, but like I want to be. Tool. You want to like, be it's tool, more like that. 100%. So I'm still chasing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I get that. What's yours? Uh, um, uh, that one's really tough for me because there's bands that I love, but I don't know if that would be the one I would pick just for the like, if I could summon anything, because I've seen a lot of the bands that I love. So okay. for my party, I'd probably have to go for one that I never could have seen, like Pearl, like a Pink Floyd, but oh. when it was when it was like you know, Hello. when 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 you got everybody together, or like yeah. Guns N' Roses peak nineteen ninety three, yes. sure, that kind of vibe. Yeah,
1: um, the tool party would be very weird, and my wife wouldn't like it. I, I Right, had to rethink that right. <laughs> I mean, I love
0: Pearl Jam, Counting Crows. There's a bunch of great ones, but it's yeah. like who, who who would I summon? Sure, that's a tough one. Whitney yeah. Houston. Could
1: oh, put on that's a great.
0: Yeah. See, I'm not supposed to have these questions turned on me. I'm terrible I know. Using I, I broke them. the rules. Uh, number nine, what would you consider your biggest failure?
1: You know, that goddamn Knight Rider pilot. I, I just... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, the biggest failure? Uh, I don't think... Um, maybe something from early on. I, I don't know. Like I'm going to really heavy places. Like, I, I'll just... My biggest goal in life is to, is to be married one time for the rest of my life. And I've been married for 11 years and it's like, it's my number one priority. And so, yeah. um, I haven't made the biggest failure. I, I've had plenty of them, but I'm kind of going the opposite way from that. And I know this, like yeah, got like really that. cerebral and everything, but like, that's yeah. my number one thing. Like when I, when I die, I want my gravestone to say Kyle Brandt, great husband, great father, like that thing. Yeah. Those are the things.
0: That's wonderful. Number no, ten, no, I like bushy. Uh, what three individual words would you most hope that people would use to describe you?
1: <laughs> These are good questions. <laughs> all right, so someone's like, "Hey, yo, like, what's
0: Brant like?" Uh,
1: yeah. and, they, and they just go Brant, Brant, Brant. Um, all right, I'm gonna. I want them to say Midwestern. <laughs> okay. That would be a big compliment to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to say um, uh, one word um <laughs> i want like i what's the word Where like oh he's like fun to get up with like that the, what i don't even know what that mm-hmm. word is i mean Hardy-ish it
0: would probably like a, a good time
1: yeah <laughs> there's the no word. there's no word yeah. and then um
0: yeah convivial? You know, convivial
1: convivial that's awesome yeah yeah convivial yeah. and then you know i'm supposed to say something like you know loyal or like uh, no 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 no. i just um <laughs> i want it to be uh you know what, like at this point in my life, I'm 42, like socially, it's just about how much do you flake? Like the okay. flake factor is it's higher dependable. than ever. Yeah, I think dependable is the word because okay. I just can't tell you how many plans you make and then it's just you no, know, we couldn't get a sitter and like maybe are you maybe are you full of shit and you just didn't right. want to get a yeah, sitter. You just didn't
0: want to get out of the house. The anti-flake.
1: So what I come up with: Midwestern and your great word, convivial. Yeah, you're, and a, dependable. you're a
0: dependable, convivial Midwesterner. That sounds pretty good. I like it. That sounds right. great. That okay. sounds great. I'm into it. All right, last question: yeah. Who should I have on this podcast? And then will you assign a number of points that you receive for this podcast and <laughs> challenge them?
1: <laughs> um, you should, listen, you should have the man, you should have, you should have Paul Rudd on. And of he, course. I guarantee Paul Rudd knows everybody in sports media, whether he's introduced yourself to you or not. All he does all day is watch sports. And like, he will come out and admit that, oh, of course I know you. I watched this. Video. Watch. Yeah. He knows exactly who you are. I had the wow. same experience. Uh, Reiter, before he was the sexiest man alive, um, just the nicest <laughs> man to alive. Get now
0: you know he's so yes. busy being sexy. Yeah, connected.
1: but know what? Like he doesn't care. Like he comes out, and he'll do anything. Like, and I mean that not right. in like the slutty sense. Like just that Listen, he likes doing it. and He's a great he guy. Never
0: so. comes on this podcast, and you just announced on it he'll do anything. He will It'll be a real blow to this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just have to get word to him. You know what's hard about Paul is Sarah. Yeah. This is tough. No social media. No social Ooh. media. Right. So you can't, he's you can't not slide on any. can't
0: those DMs.
1: No. All right, no, 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 the search no.
0: begins now. Yes, I'm yes. going to reach out to all my other sports connections who are probably friends with him because Chiefs he a Chiefs
1: Mafia. Sports. Like there's so many celebrities Ooh, who are Chiefs fans. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They're all friends with him.
0: Okay. All right, I'm starting the, the, I'm starting to do the uh, there's always, it's always sunny thing with the red strings in my head. give good to make it work. Uh, thank you for sticking along. This went way longer than I thought, but it was so fun to talk to you and catch up and uh, hopefully we'll actually run into each other in person sometime soon.
1: I'm flattered to do this. You know, it's an expression that people, uh, generations above us, use, Sarah, but I feel like like you and I came up together. You know, I, I really do. I feel like you're yeah. one of my peers. And the I boys, hope that, like, from
0: the we are. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and, like, I hope that 30 years from now, we still gonna be like, man, we came up together. I think that's yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, when we're celebrating all the future Bears Super Bowls together, yeah, sure now, we are. started. We started with '85, '86, <laughs> yeah. and here we are celebrating their fifth title this decade.
1: That's right. We're going to be 85 years old when that happens. Yeah. But um, this was like this was super fun. I knew yeah. it would be creative and well researched and everything. Sarah, you're the best.
0: Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. it. Was super fun.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: That's what she said. Oh yeah. One more thing. So this is a place for rants, raves, and everything in between. Sometimes I'll complain about something. Sometimes I'll share a great story I think you should check out. Really, what's ever on my mind. And today, what's on my mind is that you should do something that brings you joy. So read the book on your bedside table. Listen to music you love. Snuggle a dog. Take some time this week to find some peace, some happiness. Be grateful that we're all still here. Grateful for friends and family and good food and sunsets and fall leaves and oceans and elephants and spontaneous fits of laughter and your favorite movie and warm fireplaces and cheese. Yes, cheese. And if there aren't people here, be thankful for the memory. Um, a friend told me he has a spreadsheet with some of his favorite friends that he doesn't live near and see often, and he keeps track of when they last spoke on the phone. And when he's got some free time, he'll check it and say, man, it's been two years since I really talked to that person. I'm going to call him. So if you've got a long road trip, uh, if you're driving to go see family, maybe consider finding one of those friends that you've been meaning to keep up with and give him a call. You can always tweet me, at Sarah Spain, if you've got guest suggestions or questions or anything else. And you should always subscribe, follow, rate, five stars, please. That's what she said. Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me. That's what she said.